Ismael Numine, and with me as always is my co-host and the founder of The Feast, Nathaniel Johnson. Hey, what's going on? Not much. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. All right, so today we got, uh, we're going to try a little something new. We're going to do a special episode that's, uh, what do we call this, the Artist Spotlight, I guess? Uh, uh, yeah, I think that was the name you wanted to use, and I just didn't object. Right. So, um, <laughs> Okay, so it's, as, as with everything in this podcast, it's a work in progress. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. So we've got a special guest on today. Um, it's Addison Benek, um, independent filmmaker, DIY filmmaker. Um, he's done movies to watch on a rainy afternoon, uh, web series, YouTube series. Uh, he did Tra Masterpiece Theater, uh, which is uh, a, basically a mystery science theater style show uh, for trauma movies. Um, and now he's doing roast, roast Masterpiece Theater. Which doesn't roll off the tongue as well, but it's still it's still a good name. You, uh, uh, it's gotta be it's gotta be difficult to like riff trauma movies though. Those are, right, they kind yeah. of riff themselves. So I'm kind of curious right. as to how he pulls that off. But uh, we'll have to well, ask him I, when I, he's on. Yeah, I have seen the the first episode that he made, which was uh, Lloyd Kaufman's first film, um, which was uh, The Battle of Love's Return, which is a trauma movie that's kind of lost to time, right? right. And I've kind of never saw before, but he managed to riff it. And it was actually quite good uh, oh. the riff was but this was uh before trauma had really you know made their um made their brand let's say sure and so it was it was funny it was it was absurd it was weird you know but it wasn't like as winking as their later stuff so you know it was probably a little easier to riff sure sure um, but anyways now he's got a new film called psycho ape psycho which, ape which has an exclamation point, so I think we're supposed to scream it, but I, I don't want to hurt people's ears. So, right. Psycho Ape! Psycho Ape! Yeah. Uh, Fun it's a great little, it's a great little uh, you know, homage to, to bad ape movies. and uh, A lot of other films, yeah. too. Yeah. This is a yeah, very reference-heavy movie, um, which is yeah, one of the things a, I actually didn't enjoy about it. But Yeah, it's a very, uh, very DIY kind of Zucker Brothers uh, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's another good reference to make. Uh, a lot of John Waters in this movie right. too. A lot of, and then of course a lot of horror film references. So it it turns out to be pretty apt for uh, At yeah. the Devil's Ball. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a fun film. Um, it's only available right now in uh, just as a Kickstarter backer. Correct, thing. but they are there's a DVD going to be coming soon, and uh, they just announced. Uh, the world premiere in Detroit, yeah. which I did not write down the date, but we'll ask him about it. Well, yeah, he's gonna, well, we're going to yeah. ask him right. about that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I say without further ado, let's uh, go ahead and bring him on and uh, see what uh, what we can dig into. Absolutely. All right, see you kids on the other side. Yeah. And we're back. Uh, today we got our guest, as I said before, Addison Benick. How you doing, man? Good. How are you guys? Doing great. Thanks Very again well. for, for doing this. Uh, that movie, uh, so it's Psycho Ape. Uh, with, the, with an exclamation point. With an exclamation point. So I feel like point. I have to scream it every time. But Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the, ex <laughs> the exclamation point is key. <laughs> yes. So tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, how you got the idea, you guys got the idea to do this yeah. film. Okay. Um, well, it goes back a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. um, in spring of 2017, I had this dream of – I was filming um, – my friend Jonathan Gogoleski uh -huh. wearing his gorilla costume that he had bought for Halloween. And he was running around with a giant butcher knife uh -huh. and uh, just the iconic butcher knife, you know, reminded me of psycho, you know, Norman Bates. Right. And um, so when I woke up, I thought of the title psycho ape. Um, 
And that summer, we were kind of just messing around with ideas of this movie. Um, and we went out for drinks one night. We're brainstorming ideas. We came up with the opening, opening scene to the film with about, you know, a, a bunch of teenage girls right. at a teenage slumber party get interrupted by, you know, the ape coming in and massacring everybody. And uh, that's really all we had. We were going to try to use his van that he had as like our production van. And we were actually going to travel cross country and just film random scenes and cameos and kill scenes on the road. It's sort of like a vacation movie. Right. His, right. Van, his van broke down and he had to sell it for parts. So we kind of just abandoned uh, the film. Um, then about a year later, uh, he unfortunately passed away. Oh, sorry so, to hear that. Yeah, sorry to hear um, that. No. He was the original voice of Corny in Tremasterpiece right. Theater. Mm-hmm. And he also built those puppets. Oh, wow. So, you know, this is somebody who, you know, he's, he was a friend of mine for like 20 years. And, you know, I made movies with him and he built props for me. So I just kind of figured that was the end of Psychoway. You know, I also thought that was the end of Tremasterpiece Theater, but that proved, right. proved otherwise because I, you know, I launched a Kickstarter for that. And um, I was able to create that, um, you know, because people clearly wanted more. And so, mm-hmm. you, know, um, you know, recast Corny and right. kept going. But then uh, my friend, Greg DeLiso, mm-hmm. who uh, I had been working for him for a couple of years as sort of like a, an assistant editor, um, helping him promote his movie, Hectic Knife. And Hectic Knife is a movie that was distributed by Troma a couple of years ago. And I'm a fan of it, um, as well as working for him and stuff. But uh, not too long after Jonathan passed away, his wife passed away. Oh, man. Yeah. So it was kind of this snowball of like, you know, I'm grieving, he's right. grieving, what do we do? Right. So yeah. as sort of a life raft, uh-huh. I tossed out the idea of like, hey, man, you know, let's make a movie like yeah um let's just throw all these ideas at the wall see what sticks let's make some stupid thing called psycho you know there's my idea psycho wave let's just do it right you know let's run a kickstarter ask for a thousand bucks and whatever we get is what we get and that's the budget of the film right so we decided like you know let's you know make this movie with you know a low budget and you know, not you know, not take it seriously and just have fun because right. we did what we needed at the time. So we started writing the scripts and it was basically just a loose outline, just a series of, you know, funny scenarios and funny ideas and kill scenes and stuff. Right. Um but then like once we started the Kickstarter, you know, we asked for a thousand, but we ended up right. getting like seven grand. So nice. now we had way more than yeah. you know, what we were asking for. We started um, asking ourselves like, well, okay, well maybe we, maybe we should get some people involved in the film, like actual actors. Right. And um, you know, now that we can afford it and see where we can go from here. So, um, you know, we had written parts of the script and the Kickstarter was going. Um, I was invited to a screening of Sergeant Kabuki man, NYPD in New York. So I flew out there um, and met Bill Whedon. So that's where me and Bill Whedon hit it off. Um, we were staying at the same hotel and uh, we ended up just hanging out and eating like 3 a.m. You know, cheese yeah. steaks in the uh, 
cafeteria of the hotel. And, uh, you know, I pitched him the idea. Well, I told him, like, you know, I'm I'm working on this film right now called Psycho Ape, you know. uh, I'm not sure if it would be up your alley or anything. Um, And we told him that we wanted to cast him as Dr. Zumas, which is a character in the film who's a parody of Donald Pleasant's character, Dr. Loomis from, you know, uh, Halloween. But instead of a psychiatrist, he's going to be this loony uh, zookeeper. (laughs) And uh, he was into it. So um, pretty sure he was like the first actual person we cast cast. Mm -hmm. Because prior to that, I mean, it was just kind of inviting friends and random people that I knew on social media. just Yeah. and you had the Kickstarter thing. I think one of the things was you can come out and get killed or something, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just kind of, it was a, a wide net of basically like, hey, everybody on Facebook, you know, if you want to come over to my apartment, right. um, you know, if you want to come from out of state, this was before COVID and all that. This was last right. year. Yeah. Uh, you sure. know, if you want to come, if you want to come visit, uh, you know, we'll put you in the movie. And so we were, we had shot, you know, a couple kill scenes and stuff like that, but nothing substantial to the story of the movie. The right. kill scenes, almost all of them were shot first. Oh, okay. Um, and then once we had a, you know, a, you know, a hefty amount, that's when we decided to start shooting the actual, like, bulk of the movie, the story with right. Nancy Banana and uh, Dr. Zumas. Because after we cast Bill was when we reached out to Kansas Bowling. Right, right. Kansas Bowling is somebody who I had known for a couple of years because um, I do the show Movies to Watch on a Rainy Afternoon on YouTube. And it's basically like 15 minute long movie uh, reviews. And I, you know, riff on like best of the worst clips in B movie. Right. Um, she had sent me a copy of her film, BC Butcher. And yeah. uh, so I did that episode in like 2017. Um, she ended up liking the riffing that I had done on that film. And uh, so when the time came to start asking people if they wanted to be involved in Psycho Wave, she was somebody that we reached out to. Now, she was only intended to be in the Slumber Party Massacre sequence. That was the only scene she was going to be in. Yep. That was the original script. But um, once I told her that Greg DeLiso was involved, she got super excited because she's a big fan of Hectic Knife. Right. And so she, she asked you know, well, if I'm going to be a part of this film, can I just be the whole, being the whole thing? And we, you know, much to our surprise, we were like, you know, normally. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Normally people don't ask that. It's just right. kind of like, yeah, sure. Right. I'll be, you know, I'll come out for a cameo or something. Right. Sure. But then she, you know, asking to, you know, beef up her role and make her the right. lead. We were just kind of like, like you want it, like you want that, you want yeah, right. It. And that's that's one of the things I was going to touch upon is you know yeah. for, with DIY films, you know micro budget films, whatever you want to call them, you know it's oh, yeah. it's hard enough to get anybody that anybody's seen before outside of your you know friend circle, but to, to this movie to have you know you know both her and Bill Whedon, you know like mm-hmm. the all throughout it giving you know a hundred and ten percent, you know yeah. it's, it's not something you see all the time. So I mean, no, the fact that there's exactly, definitely some sort of magic that you guys are are on to there. You it's know? it's exactly that. It's you know we knew going in like this like this is like a do it yourself right super yeah. low budget film. You know right. we're shooting this on mini DV, and right. uh, you know we almost lost a day's shoot. Um, we almost lost a full tape because uh, Greg he was, you know, he's using this camera that he's had for over a decade now. Right. The camera almost ate one of the tapes. So oh. we almost lost an entire day shoot oh, in New York. 
Um, oh, so that so it actually was filmed on uh, mini DV. Okay. Yeah, mini DV tape. Yeah, that's not like a filter or anything. Right. It just it was filmed on mini DV nice. tape, and so that's why yeah. it looks old and grungy. And you can yeah. see in some parts of the movie, um, shots get kind of funky, like pixelated. And that right, was yeah. like, that wasn't us. That was just the camera almost eating the damn tape. Oh my god! Yeah. So he managed to hit eject right. at the right time and spit out. So some of the footage got a little scrambled. Right. Um, some we did have to ditch and not mm -hmm. use it right. but what we could salvage we used anyway you know sort of uh pixels and all just because who cares right um, yeah the movie itself is so uh like gritty and low budget yeah it, it lends itself well to it that's why i thought you know maybe yeah. there would but i i knew it was shot you know in, in kind of lo-fi but i didn't mm -hmm. and i thought maybe there's a filter put over that to, oh, to just no, no. Ex accentuate that um but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely lends to the uh, veracity of, of the piece, I guess, if you wanted to use, you know, no, no, uh, no. film, film stop kind of terms, you know. It's it's the whole, like, that's what I wanted. You know, I didn't right. want to shoot it in, you know, this miraculous 4K HD. Right. I asked Greg, you know, I asked him, like, can we use your mini DV camera? Because that's what he had shot Hectic Knife on. Right. And, you know, that camera is so old that literally by the end of filming this movie, that... Uh, the little window flap that opens on the side of the camera right. um, and had to be held together with uh, masking tape because the thing oh, was hanging by a thread and almost fell right. off. So it was a labor, about, labor of love by everybody, including the camera itself. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, there's <clears throat> the last project he'll be able to shoot with that camera. I mean, right. That thing was barely hanging on by a thread. Just, just the fact that it almost ate a tape and the fact that, you know, the, the window itself right. is held on by tape. Um, you know, it's, it's done, you know, it's, yeah. it's right. Plus you don't want to have to, yeah, you don't want to have to have another shoot where they have it actually eat a tape and not get it out in time. Right. I mean, yeah, like I said, we almost lost a full day of New York right. shooting. It would have been like all that Times Square stuff. Oh, it yeah. was, it was New York shooting. Oh man. Yep. So yeah, yeah. that would have that been would terrible. Have been, yeah. That would have been disastrous. Yeah. All, all that Times Square footage that you see mm -hmm. in the movie that was all shot the first day we got out there because mm -hmm. we just wanted to get it over with because we knew it would be a big deal. Right. So we almost lost that entire. Yeah, plus, you're, plus your drive. Did you drive out there from Detroit or did you fly? Yeah, yeah, no, we so drove. That so was like a ten-hour drive. Yeah, I live in Cleveland, so I mean, it's a little closer to me, but it's still it's still a haul to drive there, you know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that would have sucked uh, to lose that. Yeah. So, because I mean, we were on a, we were on a schedule. Like we had right. nine days with um, Bill in Kansas, and we almost right. shot all nine days except for like one or two days that we took off to. Uh, get them back to michigan with us right because we drove to new york and met up and then, with them in oh it took york. them back yeah took them back to michigan right. and then flew them back to new york oh okay so you know they were already in new york we met up with them picked them up right. and filmed in the various you know locations that we filmed in but then you know we took them back to detroit with oh. us with all their luggage and everything right and then once we shot in Detroit for about four days and wrapped, you know, we had gotten tickets for them to fly back home. Right. Sure. That's a, that's a good level of trust they had in you guys. Then, yeah. Yeah. Know, to get into a stranger's van and do, well, we're, we're going to go to Detroit now. <laughs> but we'll fly back at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. That was on us. So, All right. um, yeah. So it was nine days total of like being huddled together for this shoot, but maybe right. like seven days of shooting with two days off to, right. Just, you know, you, you spend 10 hours in the car. You're not going to be shooting you know, at the end of that. No, day. you're, you're no. going to be spent by the time you get there. Yeah. 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 So we, 
we made adjustments for that. But I mean, what you see in the film with Bill in Kansas is, uh, you know, a nine days, nine days of being together. And then the rest of the movie, you know, they, any scenes that they're not in, they, they clearly, they're not a part of it. Right. And so it was very interesting um, to get their feedback from the movie because the scenes they weren't a part of, they didn't even know that those scenes existed because the only scenes that they're in was the only scenes they ever saw like in the script. So they didn't see like a full completed outline or a full completed script. So a lot of the stuff in the movie was a surprise to them, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Did did they object to any of it or like? No, No, no. I mean, um, Bill is like crazy about the movie, which is really funny because I was kind of nervous that he would like, well, he would dislike some of the more over the top, like stupid comedic stuff that he's right. like not a part of. Um, but turns out, I mean, he loves all of it. So yeah. he, he's, he's kind of lobbying, you know, just as hard, if not harder than like Greg and I to like promote the movie and stuff, which is crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Really awesome. Yeah. And he's fantastic. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I had known him from, you know, obviously Sergeant Kabuki Man and his cameo in Citizen Toxie, but right. um, you know, he's he's been in the business for quite a while and he does a lot of theater stuff too. Right. But you know, it's it's not all stuff that I'm, you know, as familiar with as his trauma stuff. So asking him to throw on a groucho yeah. disguise <laughs> and uh, you know, blowing up the psycho with a cigar, all right. I didn't really know he could, you know. He would go for like it. that. I don't know if he would right. go for it or think it was too stupid, but he right. kind of did like basically anything we asked, he was game. And right. even on days where we only filmed for a couple of hours, mm-hmm. um, he would kind of, after shooting, just ask, well, is that all for today? Like, you don't want to shoot some more? And it's like, yeah. that's all we had right. for today, man. You're, you have the rest of the day off if you want to, you know, do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so. well, it's great to have him so invested in it. I mean, like, mm-hmm. like I said, you know, I, I think we've all watched a lot of you know, micro budget movies, small budget movies where sure. you know you get a you get a neighbor two in there and they film for a day and they're just kind of like you know on their phone the whole time, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's my line now. Okay. Uh, where 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 was the body found, Miss? You know, go well, back to the scrolling in, Facebook. Yeah. In big budget films. Too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Our first well, episode was Freddy's Dead, and they right. were talking about how Roseanne. Roseanne Barr was there supposedly for a day and then that was supposed to only be there for an hour or two and then was pissed off. She had to be there the rest of the day. So you get yeah. that even in anything when you get a major, a uh, major yeah. thing. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, um, I think because it was like, he was just having so much fun that right. he didn't want to stop. Yeah. Nice. And it, it speaks, like I said, it speaks to, you know, the nature of the film you're making and, you know, the, the filmmakers that you guys are to that people, people come on board and, you know, are so fully invested in that. I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, you know, this, again, this date, this whole concept came to me in a dream, you know, three right. years ago. And, uh, you know, it's a different beast than it would have been if I, sh- you know, shot it with my friend, Jonathan, three right. years ago in his production band. So it's totally different than what I even initially concept you know conceptualized as right. what the film was going to be i always knew at the end of the day it was going to be a crappy stupid right. gorilla movie of a guy right. in a, clearly a guy in a gorilla costume with the strings dangling off the back i always knew right. that but i didn't know that the film would end up evolving into you know 50 movie parodies right um, yeah. <laughs> 
one, yeah. one, one, at least one in every scene, basically. Yeah. I know, yeah. like that. That's like that wasn't my original intention. That's just what kind of happened. Right. Um. Once we would kind of get people together, we would have like vague ideas of maybe like what the scene might be, and then once right. you start shooting and people start improvising you just you know the footage just kind of presents itself and it's just like oh okay well i guess in that scene you reference right. mighty joe young or i guess and that's uh, i guess right. the ending of the movie is now going to be black and white and king kong like right you know, that's, yeah. that's not what we ended <laughs> but that's what it right. turned into i was going to ask how much of the script was you know um improvised and how much was you know written um i mean we did have like a seven page script outline and lots right. of material didn't even get filmed which is really mm -hmm. unfortunate it's just because, you know, one, we ran out of money. Right. Two, um, 64 minutes is solid. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't think Psycho Wave would work as a 90-minute feature. It's just, right. it needs to be like an hour long. Like, in yeah. and out, be done yeah. with it. Um, I mean, I was I, I, I was talking a little bit you know, with my wife after we watched it, and she loved it. Um, mm -hmm. She's not as into DIY stuff as I am. Um, but, you know, it kind of won us both over right away, right at the beginning when, you know, they kept talking, this is a teenage girl party. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. going to go scare my teenage girlfriend as dude's like 40, you know, <laughs> it's just like, but. Um, yeah, we know, wanted to emphasize that. Like, that's definitely like how ridiculous part, it is. That's part of the joke. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, I was saying like, you know, um, at, at, was it 64 minutes, I think? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just it just rubbed up against, you know, the line of maybe overstaying its welcome at that point. And like, yeah. I think you just, you know, pulled the plug at just the right point. Yeah, I mean, if if we had shot the entire seven-page outline that we wrote, I mean, we would have had, like, a two-hour movie. And that's just too much, you know? Yeah. I think just because of its nature of being, like, a low-budget, shot-on-tape right. film, you, yeah. only, you can only handle watching something like that for so long, no matter right. how funny it is or how, you know, bloody or crazy it is, you know, your attention span's going to start to dissolve after yeah. about an hour. Well, like I like I mentioned to to both of you separately and a little bit together, you know, it's like when I was watching this, you know, I felt like I should be watching this at you know the Cinema Wasteland movie convention in like room, movie room two with a you know hundred other drunk guys, you know, yeah. and that it, was it, I mean that was my intention was right. you know I've been going to Cinema Wasteland for about three years now, right, and um, you know I I like going into the movie room and um, you know I watch a lot of movies in there, you know, some good, some bad. Right. I just kind of, you know, I've absorbed the atmosphere and it's like, well, I know what these people want. Right. I want to, I want to give it to them. I want to give them crazy gore and I want to give them, you know, some TNA and I want right. to, you know, make them laugh well into the night, you know, and uh, you can only hold a drunk room's attention for about an hour. Right. right. And, uh, and, but, you know, you know, having gone to so many of these shows myself, I mean, you know, I've been going since, you know, 2000, uh, uh, a lot of, a lot of filmmakers don't understand that, you know, when they're going in, you know, mm -hmm. unless you're one of the big draws that has like, you know, like night, they do night of the demons or something like that. And movie sure. really one, you know, mm -hmm. you gotta be in and out, man. You know, people want to go get more beer, you know, people want to yeah. go see yeah. other things and, you know, you, they're you, already you, drunk. You're, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to lock down a room of a hundred drunk people for more right. than an hour. Cause yeah, yeah. you're right. They do want to go keep drinking. Yeah. They, right. they just want to check in and, or, look, or, or there's the another thing going on. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, there's, there's lots to do with these conventions. So um, if you can hold their attention for an hour, um, then I think that that's perfect. Yeah. And, you know, I thought uh, Tremasterpiece Theater, you know, went over really well too. Uh, you know, watching that was, 
Uh, Nathaniel, I don't think you'd, you'd seen that going into uh, this, but I, uh, I the Battle of, Love's Re- uh, Battle of Love's Return yeah. uh, Masterpiece Theater. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I told Addison after I, after I watched it for the first time, I, I was a little nervous going into it because I haven't found anything, you know, that's like a riff riff show like mystery science theater oh or, yeah you you immediately or riff tracks yeah. like that i could even sit through let alone right. like yeah um because you just you just think of you know joel and mike and everybody else and you know how much sure. better they do like like i never had a problem uh watching you know your shows addison you know it's 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 yeah. written written so well but it's not it's it's also its own thing it's not trying to be exactly like mystery no. science theater I well, try definitely. to do something a little bit different. Like, I mean, right. well, it's still the same style. Right, it's the format, yeah. It's, it's the, the same, same format. format, but I have a different sense of humor than, right. you know, Joel. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we tried, what we tried to do was we wanted to make something that was more R-rated. You know, I right. wanted to make a mystery science theater for, you know, adults with yeah. swearing and using movies that could never be shown on mystery science theater. Or if Rift Tracks tried to do it, right. you have to cut the film. Yeah. You know, I wanted to, that's why like Troma was so perfect was because, um, you know, they, they had this mass catalog, right. massive catalog of, uh, you know, unrated director's cut grindhouse movies and stuff right. and all kinds of splatter and TNA. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make this show with, right. you know, uncensored movies and have, you know, swearing in the riffs, which is right. different. Yeah, um, like, you know, Mystery Science Theater is like, you know, going to see like the Eagles at a big, you know, um, amphitheater and then like this show is like you know go into that little grungy bar you know where yeah. like you know somebody's gonna spare a bill spill a beer on you or you know the lead singer might headbutt you halfway through the show you know yeah, it's a little more dangerous <laughs> right right and so yeah i really dug the dug the vibe on that yeah did you did you end up you you've seen uh episode two as well right uh poltergeist yeah yes yeah that was a that was even better than the first one um I I yeah think, the, fir- the first one was lloyd picked oh Lloyd picked both um you know I when I first met him I sort of asked him um you know I pitched him the whole thing I was like listen I love Mr. Science Theater I want to do my own version I've been doing this YouTube show movies to watch on a rainy afternoon for about five six years now um but I'm limited to just like 15 minute movie reviews you know that's how long I can do them for you know can I can I get a a movie like can I use a film and um I asked him if I could do Toxic Avenger 3 because it's kind of, you know, the worst one of the franchise. Right. Like, um, that's no secret. You know, it's a, it's right. a movie that's compiled with deleted scenes um, from Toxic Avenger right. Part 2. Like, it's just not a very good film. Right. But um, he shut that down and instead right. said that I could use Battle of Love's Return, right. which was like the only Lloyd Kaufman movie I'd never seen before in my life on purpose. Right. Um, and for a while, like he was kind of hiding that movie. It was, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. easy to get a hold of. I mean, you know, when I watched the, when I got the, you know, the DVD of the first episode you guys did, that was the first time I ever even saw the movie. You know, it's the first time a lot of people have right. seen the movie. Because for me, um, and I think I, the movie was helped a lot by the riffing because it got a little, little. Oh, that movie sucks. Yeah, it got it got a little bad in some places. A little that little that slow. movie is so boring, and I right. I've seen it like fifteen times now, if not more. I still can't like tell you what it's about. You know, I don't know right. what the premise or the plot is. I don't know. I have no idea. Right. Um, but the only way that I could find the film, because it's not released on DVD separately, right? You have to go into like, there's this uh, box set that has all of Lloyd's 
sexy comedies that he made like before Talks Avenger. Mm-hmm. Got uh, Squeeze Play, Waitress, First Turn On, mm-hmm. and Stuck on You. And okay. on the Squeeze Play DVD or First Turn On, okay. you have to use your remote control and find the movie <laughs> as an Easter egg. I never even knew that. I would have bought that set if I knew it was on there. Because like uh-huh. for years, you know, yeah. if you're a Troma fan like I am or like you are, you know, I'm always like, I need to see this movie someday. He says it's so bad he won't show it. And this is yep. Lloyd saying that, you know. <laughs> so, and I found it. It was, right. uh, you got to use your arrows and you know, hit left or up or something. And right. it highlights, you know, a woman's butt. And so then you just <laughs> click OK. And next thing you know, you're watching Battle of Love's Return. Nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that movie has always been sort of just hard to find on purpose. I mean, it's not a good right. film and I was able to, it's almost, a, it's almost a student film. Really? It is. It really think. is. I mean, it's his attempt at doing like a Woody Allen type comedy, but right. with like also, also like surrealistic documentary moments and stuff. Right. Yeah. Like there's some, uh, early influence in there, which, you know, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just not put together very well at all. I mean, he was only 25 when he made it and you know, it was his first movie. Right. But uh, he even told me, because I tried to get him to sign, um, I have a copy on VHS, mm-hmm. and I, I got it off eBay for like 11 bucks, and it's still nice. sealed. Wow. And um, so when I asked him if he could open it and sign it for me, mm-hmm. he told me, like, don't, don't open that, because there's only like 50 of those in existence. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Yeah, so he kept it sealed, never bothered with it. Yeah, so I, I still have a sealed copy of Battle of Love's Return on VHS. I mean... It's essentially worthless. It's not a right. I mean, it's it's worth. It's only like a treasure to me because I riffed it for right. a masterpiece. But yeah, it's not like. But a, it's a treasure to you. So who the hell cares what it? It's not anybody's like holy grail in their right. collection because it's not a good film. Right. It's only like a treasure because there's so few copies, not because of its quality. Right. But still, I mean, you know, for you to be able to, to have done that one in Poultrygeist, which is, you know, one of the yeah. lesser talked of, you know, modern trauma movies. Yeah. Was, those like are, those that, are good gets. That one he picked, he greenlit it as soon as we were done with episode one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took so long to make it just because in the two years in between episode one and two, you know, I lost one of my best friends and he was right. the boy corny. He had been there with me since the beginning of you know, the concept of episode one, because he built right. puppets from scratch. I just didn't think, you know, I thought Tr- Masterpiece was gone after one episode. Like, I thought right. that was it. We were a one and done thing. Right. Um, but then just out of my own kind of curiosity, I decided to launch this Kickstarter for episode two so that I could get some money and secure, the um, the, well, not the rights, but to uh-huh. secure, uh, like, theater rental, renting to film. Right. You know, that costs money, too. Uh, yeah. No, episode one, I paid out of my own pocket. Yeah, to, the, uh, the 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 host segments that take place at the mm-hmm. theater, right? Yeah, yeah, we actually rent out a real movie theater and film the host skits there, and you know they don't. It's not free, right? So, I uh, I legitimately yeah. thought one of you guys worked there and just sort of like, can we film at our off hours? <laughs> like, whatever, dude. Oh, no, Pick up what you're done. I paid for it, so um, with episode two, I was only asking for the money. Like, I wanted five hundred bucks because right. I knew how much it cost to rent out to rent, it. to rent it you know to rent yeah. and film for a couple of days um and uh you know that was just uh i lowballed it you know all right. i need is 500 guys i was very right. forward you know very upfront with this is all i need so when it ended up getting 7500 dollars, i was like holy crap 
you know, right. people want more to a masterpiece. Yeah. So let's so go back to uh, Psycho Ape. Um, mm-hmm. I guess uh, what was what was the thought process while you were uh, like editing it? Like, because the way it's edited is is a lot different than you know most of these DIY films, uh, these you know no budget films. You know where where you guys have a first of all like. Uh, there's no fourth wall to break in this movie. I mean, it's just very forward. It tells you right. There might be one or two walls, but there's definitely not four. You know. No. And uh, then, no, but the no. way it, the way it's edited, you know, is almost like you know, it's 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 so frenetic, and it goes from you know one gag to the next, the one thing to the next. I'm like, was there a thought process in there, or were you just trying to string along, um, you know, all these different disparate gags and scenes into a cohesive whole? Ah, uh, that's actually more of a question for Greg because Greg okay. edited the movie. Um, yep. He edited most of it during the course of this, uh, you know, COVID quarantine because right. he wasn't working and um, he lives about an hour away from us. I live with Steven. He's my roommate. And right. so it was convenient and that Greg could just come over to our apartment and we could just shoot stupid ape stuff right. around our apartment complex, you know, inside and out. I mean, the whole slumber party massacre sequence takes place in our apartment. Right. And, right. Uh, you know, that location pops up again and again and again. But uh, it's just because Greg lives an hour away. But right. so, you know, he edited a, you know, vast, he, he edited the whole movie. Right. Um, you know, I could, you know, text him notes and stuff if he was sending me like the rough cut or something. Oh. Um, but as an editor myself, uh, you know, we just sort of both understood that like one of the biggest issues that we see in these oh. sort of DIY films is right. pace. Pace is always the biggest problem because... Yeah. As somebody with, you know, sort of a short attention span myself, right. um, I, as a viewer, just want to get to the next gag a lot, you know. Um, it's just, and it's especially you know, important in a comedy like this. I mean, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's important in like a horror film where you right. just want to see the kills stack right. up. Um, in a comedy, you want to you pack as many jokes as you can in a scene mm-hmm. and in an hour-long film. Um, so you can just kind of tell if there hasn't been a joke or a gag, then, uh, you know, you got to put one in there. Right. Even if it's like text at the bottom of the screen, like it is, can, you know, that's right. Uh, tell me a little bit about the, uh, I, what stood out to me was the, uh, the news broadcasts and how mm-hmm. hilarious those were. Um, and I think that was the point where I realized that a lot of this was improvised was when they were doing yeah. the, uh, the newscast. Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about that? All right. So with the newscast stuff, we had basic dialogue written oh. for them. Right. And so you always shoot that first just so that you have it. Right. But then when you let the actors kind of start riffing with each other, oh. you know, that's mainly where the gold comes from is because right. once they've gotten sort of like this, the, you know, there's the dialogue out of the way and they're relaxed now. Right. And now they, it's just basically, okay, guys, do what you want. Right. Um, I, I loved the conversation about, you know, shat versus shit. And that was, yeah. I mean, I that, think that was I, the moment where I realized that, you know, like this is an, almost an interactive film, you know, where it's. That it's, was a hundred percent improvised hundred percent on them. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg did not stop rolling after he flubbed his line. Right. Um, and it's all one take. You can see it's all just one take. Right. Um layered on top of that surveillance footage you know surveillance right footage that you see and uh we just knew when we were f- filming it that we were like 
all right, we're going to use all this somehow. Right. Um, you know, we used the little bit of scripted dialogue in the beginning of the scene. Right. But then once it goes haywire mm-hmm. with that whole, you know, shit versus shat, that's <laughs> when the scene kind of became the scene. And, uh, and that happens a lot in the movie too. Like a lot right. of stuff is a hundred percent just improvised and crazy. Even the, the character, um, uh, Giltroy Shithouse right. is, is the name of the reporter. Right. But um, that wasn't the original name. He just flubbed his line and we didn't tell him to correct it. The original character's but, name. But you did tell these people that, you know, that we might be using the outtakes instead of the real takes, right? I mean, <laughs> oh, sometimes, yes, sometimes, no. <laughs> right. So it was kind of, I think it's right. kind of a surprise to some of these people when, they've, when they when they watch the finished movie mm-hmm. and they see that their performance is just their outtakes. Right. You know? um, except for like Bill in Kansas, you know, that's all their dialogue, like for right. real. But a lot of like the supporting roles and these like random cameos. Uh, if, if it seems like an outtake or a flub, right. it most likely is, and we just used it anyway. But his original name in the movie was supposed to be uh, a name that Greg made up. Uh, it was like Giltroy Br- uh, Brickmasters. <laughs> that was the original right. name, it was Giltroy Brickmasters. Right. He flubbed his line and said Giltroy Shithouse. And we were, <laughs> just we like, were go the, for it. We were just laughing, and so right. it was like, all right, well, that's the character's name now. We don't care. Right. And it adds layers to the comedy. I mean, because, you know, you have the you have the homages, you have the the sight gags, you have the, you know, witty dialogue or, you know, poop and fart joke dialogue, depending on the scene, you know, and then you have like this other layer of, you know, just the actors having fun with it and the actors, you know, going along with it, which I think, you know, adds something to it. And, you know, it's, it's hard enough to see to see a movie with one layer to the comedy, let alone, you know, three or four in most of the scenes. So I think it helps it out a lot. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it keeps it's, your attention too, you know. It's hard, uh, you know, being like we're the ones that made it, right? So we know all the layers, right? And we know we were there for all of the shooting and we put it all together and everything, but then leashing, unleashing it into the world, it's like, right? Uh, we are kind of taken aback by how much people like the film. Right. And how much people are understanding and like getting the layers because it is a very just stupid movie. And, right. Um, <laughs> and you make no bones about it. I mean, you know, the text mm-hmm. at the beginning, you know, tells you everything, all the ingredients yeah. you need, you know, everything's on the tin, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, and right. most, most independent films are not that like upfront about right. how low budget their films are. Like there's a difference between just watching some movie that some guys made you know, for a couple hundred bucks in their backyard, but try to pass it off as like a real film. And it's like, guys, you understand that what you made here is like right. bad. You know? Yeah, it's it's important to stretch beyond your means, but it's also, to, you know, you need to know where your borders are, where you, yeah. where you can get to realistically. In a... I mean, we couldn't have made this movie like for real. I mean, it's right. a God awful gorilla suit right. that whenever Steven turns around, you can see the strings dangling. So like there's nothing or, you can do or his whole leg you know stick it out in some scenes or whatever. yeah there's there's a couple bloopers in the movie that were unavoidable like um i mean literally when he sat down to eat that cake on right. that was our second shoot day right the crotch ripped and so we were like ah oh, crap we haven't even right. gone to new york yet um what are we gonna do well right 
just keep filming with it. Yeah. And uh, what, so what, what he would do to disguise that is he would wear these black leggings. So mm-hmm. underneath the rip, it still just looks like black gorilla suit. Right. Until one day he forgot black leggings and wore black shorts. Right. And so, so you see his whole leg sticking so out. So you see yeah. his whole leg blowing right. in the wind, and it's just right. like, well, who cares? Yeah. What a trooper, though. The, I mean, yeah. It is I mean, uncomfortable to be in a hot-ass monkey suit, you know, even the, on a good day, you know? Yeah. The beach scene in particular, that was a pretty miserable day right. um, for everybody. Like, when they're – when, you know, like Kansas was probably the most comfortable because she's in a bikini. Right. But, you know – we're you know steven's in that monkey suit and it was like 90 some degrees on the beach right and we're just we're filmed without permits you know we're just yeah. everybody, everybody's reaction you see of us on the beach is 100 percent right. genuine did um, you get any uh, reactions that you had to cut because i noticed in a couple scenes you know people were giving you really askance looks and i was i was no, expecting somebody no. to like just what the hell you're doing you motherfucker get out of here no it was really you know, especially like in new york you know that was the weirdest part was filming in new york we got kicked out of that fountain that you see. Right. Um, we grabbed I'm like sure two or three shots, but uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to film uh, the ape drowning Dr. Zumas in the fountain, and Bill was more than willing to like let us dunk his head in that fountain. Right. There's um, a very real possibility of getting arrested doing something like that. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the security just, guard kicked us out. Yeah. Right. Um, we also got kicked out of Meyer because we Ooh. filmed Stephen in costume as the ape. Stealing the bananas. Swiping those bananas. Right. But we thought, like, all right, it's Halloween. Like, we filmed that Halloween of last year. So we thought, it's Halloween. There's got to be, there's going to be plenty of people inside the store in costume. Right. And it wasn't the fact that he was in costume. It was the fact that we were filming in the store. Right. So they kicked us out, and that's that's all we got was that one shot hidden. Still, still you got it. I mean, it's. Yeah, we got it. And you can see it's inside a grocery store. Right. Um, We just, you know, the camera was hidden under like our hoodies. And so it just looked like a pile of clothes. There was a camera rolling underneath. Right. And um, that's all we got. You know, that 10 seconds you see in the movie is all we got from filming in Meyer on Halloween. Cause we tried to film other stuff mm-hmm. outside, but it was just so dark and rainy that the footage was unusable. So, right. Um, I mean, there's, there's stuff like that, like just footage that we cut because it wasn't up to snuff. Like it just didn't look like anything. So, um, but as for like people's reactions, I mean, we didn't no, there was nobody who was like, you know, don't put that camera on me. It's just, right. they didn't want to be in the movie. They got out of the way. Right. Um, especially like on the subway. Right. People just cleared. They just got out of the way. Yeah. And in times square, I mean, there's people who walk past the camera and they'll like wave or smile, but right. they never, they never got in front of the camera to try to block anything or become well, the one person, the one person tried to get a selfie though. Yeah. There's a couple people who tried to get selfies and like, that's fine. But, right. um, as for people like either like preventing the film or wanting to be the center of attention other than like the naked cowboy who just decided right. to just come up to us, but like that's production value anyway. So we right. Like, oh, I, I wasn't, I was going to ask about that. If he, yeah. if he was approached you or if you approached him, you know, gave him $20. He approached us. He saw a guy in a gorilla suit and a camera and he beelined straight to right. us right in the middle of Times Square. Did, so you have to, part did, of, you, did you have to do anything? Did you have to like, you know, pay him anything or, or get his get a release? We didn't pay All him. Right. <laughs> we, we had him sign a release but right. he probably gets that all the time right and uh i imagine he's probably in a lot of people's low budget new york films and he probably has no idea like which ones right. um so we had him sign the release but we haven't we have 
pay him. <laughs> well, that's that's good because I, when I was watching it with my wife, you know, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I donated twenty dollars to this film, you know. So we were trying to figure out what the twenty dollars was for. Yeah. And I decided it was for that foot that kept showing up, but then when it got to the the the, the severed foot that was used in the oh. scenes, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, there's my twenty dollars right there. And then, I, then we got to the naked cowboy. You know, I'm like, I hope that wasn't my twenty dollars. <laughs> no. no. You 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 funded our trip to right. New York. You know, gas money and right. uh, you know feeding everybody, and probably the copious amounts of fake blood that we bought. But uh, <laughs> no, the only people who really got paid in the movie are like Kansas and Bill, right. the reporters and stuff, and. Uh, you know, basically everybody just volunteered because I thought it'd be fun to be in this stupid killer gorilla movie. I mean, right. You know, we didn't keep any of the money. We're, uh, you know, putting it up. We put it all on yeah. the screen and we're using whatever's left to create the t-shirts and the DVDs and, you know, paying the postage to actually ship everything out. Right. Uh, Nathaniel, you got a, you got some questions? Are you really, oh. you're really quiet? Yeah, I can't hear him. I just feel like I've been dominating the conversation. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so tell us, tell me a little bit about, we talked a lot about your riffing stuff and, you know, uh, you know, making skits for, for True Masterpiece and Roast Masterpiece Theater. Um, how much of that, you know, really informed the way you kind of put this, this film together? I mean, because I feel like you, you, you wrote and filmed it with the riffing already baked into it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, doing a riff project mm -hmm. and doing like a narrative, you know, I use the word narrative very loosely. Right. Well, it's still um, got a story. It's still got a through line. It might, might not be, you know, yeah, it's most, not the, best in the, world. the most dirty frame, you, you know, ever built for a house, but it's, yeah. it's there. It's there. Right. Um, I mean, they're just they're just two different kinds of beasts i mean it's still writing comedy you know it's right. still writing jokes and skits and stuff like that um but with like true masterpiece and now roast masterpiece right. that's more piling uh jokes onto like a pre-existing thing right like i kind of compare it to like where you have this you know bare christmas tree and all right. the jokes are the ornaments and tinsel and we just gotta you know dress it up right um with Psychoape, it was creating material from the ground up. Right. And uh, how much, you know, like how funny can we make this material and how ridiculous right. can we make it? And, you know, do we need, you know, more kill scenes? Do we need more blood? Do we need more cameos? Do we need more jokes? What do we need? Right. Um, with like True Masterpiece, those films were already in existence. And we just, it was just a matter of watching them repeatedly and uh, right. discovering more jokes and more riffs to sort of dress on this tree. Right. I know, I know myself and Nathaniel. You know, we're both huge into mystery science theater and riff Absolutely. Tracks. Yeah. And can you guys, can you guys hear me now? Yeah, you're doing, totally. you're doing way better. Okay. Right. What I was gonna say was, um, you know, <laughs> we go through life, you know, internally riffing everything that goes on around us, including totally. the stuff that that we say ourselves. We'll say something like we're gonna riff it ourselves, you know. Afterwards, mm -hmm. it's hard to turn that off, and I feel it came through uh, in the in the film that actually, you know, in a good way. Well, I mean, so I have a question about Roast Masterpiece yep. uh, yeah. myself uh, and about movie riffing in general, because uh, as Sam said earlier, uh, I have a tendency to have a hard time watching anything that isn't the guys, you know. Right. Um, and uh, I, I've 
come across that uh, person. I did uh, live movie riffing myself um, for about a year uh, at a bar, local bar back home, like eight years ago. And you have a lot of the same problem where people would come in and be like, this isn't mystery science theater. So you'd have people kind of like, well, I'm turn around right, right back out. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so what, I, uh, and our show, unfortunately was not, was improvised. Mm-hmm. So my question to you That's is, do you, tough. That's a lot tougher. Yeah. yeah. So you write roaster, uh, roaster piece theater. Yeah, every yeah. Yeah, masterpiece was written in advance. We had scripts with time codes. Uh, I can't imagine trying to do that improvised. That would just be way too difficult because... It was really hard, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, especially in front of a live audience. I don't think that would that would be Well, well luckily, for, luckily for us, our live audience was like 14 people and only four of them were paying any attention. Um, <laughs> but, uh, right. but, uh, but yeah, it, I wanted to write and I wanted to rehearse and they were kind of like, well, no, we're going to improvise. And I'm like, you don't know what movie riffing is then because this right. is not right, yeah. improvised. Nobody improvises this. It's a very, very precise science. It's so, structured. Uh, yeah. yeah you, you need a script because yeah. totally. sometimes I'm, even with poultry guys, you know, cause that was a whole different challenge. You know, you got battle loves return, right. Which mm-hmm. is this, you know, bore fest and so right. you have to riff harder absolutely more interesting yeah um, but then with poultry guys the movie is good <laughs> right <laughs> now it's, funny, most, it's funny already so you're trying funny to already so how, do you, how do you riff on something that's funny already and yeah. you know that that project is still relatively new to me you know because i finished right. it back in january so um it's still it's, it's way more fresh than episode one is, you know, and that was three years ago. Right. So to this, to this day, I still feel like we could probably still add more jokes to Poultry Guys, but it's like, no, 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 it's done. It's out there. People liked it. That's the end of it. Right. Yeah. Um, Funnily enough, Poultry Guys um, world premiere was in my hometown of Portland, Maine. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Years and years ago. Yeah. Lloyd flew out. Uh, he was there in Portland. This is before I moved there, though. Technically, I wasn't a part of any of this. Mm-hmm. But he did, like, uh, they did it at the local Nickelodeon cinema there right. in Portland, Maine. They had it, And then they had a big after party that Lloyd was at. And I guess he got really drunk and was uh, a, a lot of fun, I guess. <laughs> but, but yeah, so a little bit of connection there that, uh, yeah, Poltergeist's uh, world premiere was apparently in Portland, Maine, of all places. Uh, weird. I would have thought it would have been New York. You know? Right, same here. I just always assumed yeah. it was New York or nowhere. You know? uh, no, I guess I guess they just offered him money or something, and he was <laughs> okay, like, yeah. that, that was the type of guy Lloyd was, I guess. Right. You know. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, every time the you know a big trauma movie comes out, you know, he does tour with it. He does go around. Yeah. You know, the first couple of times. Right. The first couple of times I met Lloyd, you know, was at like Borders bookstores. It wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. at a horror movie convention you know he'd be in town uh, one time he was doing you know terror firmer and one time he was doing tromeo and juliet you know we went to like the local borders bookstore and met him you know he, he yeah. was probably what he, uh promoting one of his like his books. Own yeah he was books. it was he was he was you know double booking himself basically to do the do the tour with the film and sell and the book yeah to make that makes sense own. yeah that's a very Lloyd move. You know, I could, I could sell three things today instead of just, oh, I think one, it was, you know? I think it was the same thing when he came to Portland. Right. I think it was also, he did a, a book signing for, uh, right. uh, things I, uh, things I learned from making toxic Avenger or whatever it was yeah, called. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, just a little, that's just a little side note, obviously. Um, but yeah, the Sammy knows this, and this is a question I wanted to ask him. And I, I joked with him last night. I'm like, I'm about to get, I'm about to get deep here. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I overanalyze absolutely everything. Okay. So I'm looking at I'm looking at Psycho Eight, yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this is a stupid movie, but I'm like, I feel like he's making a film that's sort of almost making a statement about the nature of 
making film. Like you're, you're, you're it's a very, as Sam put it here, it's a very uh, uh, audience participatory film. Yeah, right. Um, and so, I mean, was that intentional or, or like, were you making a, a statement with this movie about filmmaking or? We kind of, Greg and I went into the movie wanting to not only satirize the obvious Nightmare on Elm Street, King yeah. Kong. I mean, those are so in your face that you yeah. just, you won't, you, it's hard to miss. Right. But being do-it-yourself filmmakers ourselves and a lot of the movies that we see around us by, uh, by our peers, mm-hmm. um, you know, we would, we go to these conventions and they give us their movies for free and stuff. Right. But um, we, you know, we, we, we wanted to make sort of a, like a satirical statement about like, um, the, you know, just independent filmmaking and right. how, you know, somebody may make this movie and all it is is TNA and somebody may make this movie and it's only low budget gore. But a lot of times they are like aggressively stupid or, you know, or um, overly self-serious, you know, or that, you know, and it's like, um, you know, some people it's like, dude, you made your movie for 2000 bucks or 700 bucks or something. And it's like, um, it doesn't matter how much you spent on it. Was I entertained? And right. a lot of times, no, because it's it's not super funny or it's overlong yeah. or it's like, you know, what sort of statement are you trying to make um, about whatever subject matter, you know, you're, you're spearheading here, but it's like, it's very muddled and I don't, I don't get it. Right. You know, right. we always kind of chalked it up to just like, well, it just wasn't for us. But at the end of the day, I mean, when you see like 10 of those, right. um, it's like, we just kind of wanted to make fun of low budget filmmaking just as a whole, right. you know, right. Yourself included in that. Ourself yeah. included. I mean, right. the movie right. is, you know, through like the editing and the jokes, like clearly we're in on the joke too. Right. Right. But you know, it's at the end of the day, we shot the movie on mini DV tape. And when, when you shoot, green screen mini dv tape you're gonna get awful footage and you can see that in the movie right yeah it's some of the worst green screen you've ever seen and uh (laughs) we knew that that was gonna happen you know um i was i was but i was seeing like a lot of stuff like even in scenes where you can still hear the crew laughing like oh yeah you left that in yes uh you know you have a, a protracted six minute argument between two people that i think about ratatouille versus toy story yeah right that doesn't feel scripted it feels it's like it started not. scripted and then right. it became something. Yeah, because even at one point, you know, she's like, Eddie, help me. Eddie, help me. Yeah. <laughs> and they and they cut to the gorilla guy and he doesn't right. have the mask on. And he's right. just weighing in on the argument. And I'm like, you're making right. a statement about, about independent filmmaking, about DIY filmmaking. Yeah, right. Right. yeah it is. It is. Yeah. Well, um, you, Nathaniel, you had mentioned, you know, there's a lot of John Waters in there. You know, there's a lot well. of John Waters. Right. Yeah, in my opinion. Is that, no, is no, that an influence of yours? Yeah, and I have every single John Waters yeah. movie. Right. On VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, I'm a huge fan. I mean, when you got a, you have a half-naked, you have a naked woman with a with a duck head on, right? In a, yeah. In a, in a bathtub, and I'm immediately thinking uh, Pink Flamingos, right? Yeah. And uh, it's such a uh, such a wonderful, bizarre scene. Right. Yeah. That, yeah, it's a it's a really really fascinating little film. Uh, right. uh, I mean, some of some of that stuff is purely accidental. Like, um, that that was just because the actress didn't want to show her. She would, right. she I wondered would, that, yeah. She was okay with showing her body, but not showing, showing her, her face. face. 
And so it's kind of this weird compromise. I mean, she she might just not want, you know, family to find it or work people to find it or, you know, I I can understand that. Yep. If you look at, if you ever watch anything on like, but it, but it made it funnier. It made it weirder. Yeah. Or yeah. independent pornography, you will have a lot of that too. People will cover yeah. up their face but show their body. Yeah, it's, right. it's. I mean, it worked out for us. I mean, even her. Like, what ended up happening was, mm-hmm. um, the reason her dialogue was substituted with quacks was because mm-hmm. her her audio, uh, we couldn't work. We, yeah. Well, we couldn't use it. Right. Uh, it didn't. It didn't get recorded properly. Right. And cut to like a year later. Now we're editing the footage, and it's like, well, we can't really ask her to dub in her audio, so. She's wearing a right. duck head anyway, so let's <laughs> add in quacks. Yeah, that kind of right. like that fixed its, that fixed its own problem. Right, and it it made the scene better because of it. You know, it's yeah. Like, well, yeah, you had the other woman much uh, more bizarre. Resp- responding to the quacks as if they're actual words, and right. uh, yeah, it just it gives it a whole thing of weird. Yeah, weird it, it was just one of those happy accidents where it's like, yeah. well, she's wearing the duck head anyway. We don't have right. her audio, so just put in duck quacks. Like, who cares? You know. Right. So, so. Uh, yeah, going back to the to the ratatouille scene, which we mentioned, um, was that like was that like a dare to see how long you can get the audience to sit through that scene? Because <laughs> um, it, it it definitely felt like a little yeah. like maybe timid Eric-y, like to where like we're like we're just gonna keep running with this joke well past you know yeah until it becomes absurd just of its own accord. That is a hundred percent like Greg's editing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you recall, have you seen Hectic Knife? I have not. No, but no. I'm okay. All right. Well, I'm definitely going to now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was purely Greg's influence because there's a scene in Hectic Knife. It's almost the, it's the exact same style. Where oh, so he's he's spoofing himself almost, right? Kinda, yeah, yeah. almost, yeah. Um, there's a scene in that film at the end when these characters are they have this big argument about bagels and they're throwing bagels at each other. And in real life, when he was shooting that scene, the actors were sick of filming with these bagels and kind of just had like a mutiny and he filmed the whole thing yeah and it ended up in the movie and uh so the kind of the same thing happened here where we were you know we knew going in okay we're filming this scene mm-hmm. where the one girl um they're at, those girls are actually sisters in real life okay and, yeah. um uh the the girl had the Ratatouille monologue, she had it memorized just from some acting class in right. school anyway. Because when we right. got people together, we would kind of ask them, like... Uh, where so, their, where like, their strengths are? Yeah, kind of. It was kind of right. like, hey, well, do you have any sort of hidden talents? Or right. what are you comfortable doing on camera? Or mm-hmm. is there something special that we could put in this movie that would help your scene stand out amongst everybody else? And she said, well, I have a Ratatouille monologue memorized. And so we were kind of like... <laughs> I don't really know how that helps Psycho Ape, but I guess right. let's shoot it anyway and see what happens. Um, that that was the scene where I where I started to delve into over analyzing it myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, at first the scene started, I'm like, all right, so is this like a, a riff on like you know Tarantino always in his early films had to put in you know like an extended monologue, oh, sure. some weird pop yeah. culture thing, yeah. and then yeah. then as the scene just went on and on and on, I'm like, I'm like, is is the joke on me? Is this is this <laughs> you know is this I'm not no, saying I, it was a bad scene, but it, it definitely <laughs> felt by the end, but, you know, like, like this was um, something purposefully that ran too long, I took, especially, yeah, I took especially compared to everything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, I took a break with the rant scene. I was like, I'm going to go smoke a cigarette because this <laughs> is just got to keep, keep, just keep going. It's and, like and five then, minutes. Yeah, it's like right, five yeah. minutes long. And, for the, and for the record, it's, it's, uh, it's up, Wally, who the fuck cares? Yeah, that, that's you? the order. That's the order. Pixar? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, what, do you, what do you think, Addison? Is it, is it Ratatouille or to- Toy Story? Which is which? Is I that? mean, I'm Team Toy Story all the way. Yeah. Um, 
I do enjoy Ratatouille, though. It's just yeah. not my favorite. You know, and everybody's entitled to, to their own opinion. Yeah. But, uh, you know, basically, we just said, okay, guys, we're just filming, like, this trick-or-treat scene. Right. You guys walk up to the door. And instead of just having your basic walk-up-to-the-door scene, She's she wanted to recite the Ratatouille monologue. And so she did that. But then, I, had, I hadn't seen that movie in so long. I, you know, I watched it a couple times when it first came out. Like, I yeah. didn't catch what, this, what the monologue was from until about halfway through. I realized, sure. wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's, that's how a lot of people probably are going to react. I've never seen Ratatouille. So uh, I'm watching the movie. She's delivering the lines the way she is. And I think she's reciting Shakespeare. I thought that was the joke. Right, uh, okay. I had the same start. I'm like, is this a Shakespeare speech? And then yeah. like, no. No, no, it's far less famous. You're really quiet again, man. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, you have Tootsie references and you know everything else in this. Can you? I can't really hear him again. Right. I'm sorry. Okay, so uh, what what's next? What's next? Uh, I know there's a there was a Kickstarter for something. Um, well, talk about my, that? Next, my next thing is um, like because the pandemic and everything, uh, you know, I launched another Kickstarter because I wanted to continue doing you know the the riffing stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I've rebranded Trow Masterpiece Theater to Roast Masterpiece Theater. Like that's the new right. name. It's still going to be the same characters and it's still going to take place in the same setting in right. like a movie theater. Nice. But um, we, we're not going to exclusively just rip on trauma stuff anymore. Right. Um, so, you know, licensing films is expensive right. and you only have those movies for a certain period of time. So um, rather than licensing films for like, you know, instead of paying like five grand and only having like seven years with them, Right. I am going to do something different. Mm -hmm. um, the characters in Rose Masterpiece Theater, you know, myself as the movie right. theater usher and Corny, really, mm -hmm. we are going to acknowledge that our movie theater, you know, is basically broke because, you know, the pandemic right. killed going to the theaters. Oh, that's clever. And yeah. um, instead of licensing movies to show, mm -hmm the opening scene is going to be me and Corny and really like pushing open the button on our cash register and seeing that we have just, you know, chump change in there. Right. So we're going to steal it from our own theater and you're going to watch us make a low budget movie. Nice. And to show themselves. Basically. Show at the theater, right. To get people to get asses back in seats. Right. So within, you know, roast masterpiece theater within this project, you're going to see Corny and Reilly and I uh, sit in like a writer's room together, uh -huh. pitching ideas to each other, writing a script together. And it's going to be the cult of Frankenstein. We're going to make right. our own low budget D DIY Frankenstein. Nice. And I'm sorry, I kept referring to it as DIY or micro budget. Is there a term you prefer for that? Or do yeah, you I like DIY. Okay. It's just right. do it yourself. Yeah. Micro budget, low budget, no budget. That's, you know? Yeah, that's a that's a term I got if, you know from punk rock. You know, growing up listening to a lot sure. of metal and punk rock. You yeah. know, they have yeah. a DIY, DIY aesthetic. So that's what yeah. We, I mean, Psycho was micro... basically shot on video because right. it was shot on mini DV. Right. Um, 
because I don't know. I feel like calling something micro budget is is kind of talking down to it a little bit. You know, it's, 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 no, we we we, yeah. we call Psycho White micro budget too. Yeah. yeah, grand total that we spent on it was probably like you know ten grand or less. Right. Um, but uh, but just like the catering budget for a day on some of these you know Hollywood films, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's nothing. Right. But so you're gonna watch Corny and Reilly and I sort of write this Cult of Frankenstein movie. And we're gonna, you're gonna watch us like hold auditions, um, like as the characters, but like you know we actually are gonna like cast people in the movie as well. Right. So it's kind of there's another sort of meta type scenario, right. and then eventually you're gonna watch us shooting scenes, sort right. of like how you saw Johnny Depp playing Ed Wood in Tim Burton's Ed Wood shooting right. like, kind of the monster. Yeah. And Man Nine from Outer Space. So you're gonna watch us shoot scenes from Cult of Frankenstein in that style, and then. Right it'll all culminate into the last like hour of the project is going mm. to be us you riffing it. watching our finished product um, as corny and really, right. and you know, myself as the movie theater usher watching our final movie called to Frankenstein sort of uh, and riffing on it in right. not, not in like your normal kind of riffing style with like movie references and like, yes. this is good, you know, this is good. This is bad. We're going to be riffing it as, you know, the creators of a movie would sort of talk to each other in like the editing bay of, you know, making a movie. Sort of like, oh, how'd that scene get in there? Or, you know, I wasn't there that day of shooting. Like, why, why did that actor say it that way? Or like a director's commentary from hell, kind of. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll be like a director's commentary, but sort of like um, poking fun at our own, you know, DIY right. uh, Frankenstein right. movie. I mean... Uh, I don't really have anything to compare it to because I am writing the script, like I am writing *The Cult of Frankenstein* like as a movie. But right. with, I'm not, I'm not thinking of any of the riffs that right. that'll come later. Right. Um, I'm just writing a movie, like I'm writing right. a script the same way you would just write a script. But I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm writing it in a way of like, you know, it's called *The Cult of Frankenstein*. Right. So it's going to be about you know this cult of. I'll be honest. Like, when 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 I heard you announce Cult of Frankenstein, I just thought it was a movie I'd never heard of. I didn't no. know. I didn't know you were actually making the movie to go there. That makes it way cooler, even. Yeah. 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 I'm building it from the ground up, but it's not. Cult of Frankenstein is going to be different than Psychopath in that the movie is not going to be in on itself. Right. Um, it's going to be a it's serious. Gonna, I'm going to try to play yeah. it straight and make it cheap. Right. Um, and then jokes, the riffing will come later. Like right. I may even invite people over who aren't a part of the production and just show them the movie and be like, what do you think of this? Sure. And not, and not sort of tell them that like I wrote it and I made right. it and stuff and just maybe like make notations, like comments that they say. Would, you know? would making the it, the movie inside the episode, would that be the first time you make a, an actual serious film or? Um, Probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can't I, guarantee that I, it's going to be hundred percent serious. Either. Well, I'm not saying that, but yeah. Yeah. Na- naturally I just write, stupid right. stuff and so right. that's what's just gonna happen right. but so it, yeah. it, it, the whole premise like it, it does have it's gonna have a plot you know it's gonna right. have um it's gonna be about this cult of basically i'm using like the manson followers as like the frame of reference nice okay if like charles manson uh threw on a frankenstein mask and like a jesus robe and was like right. you know oh you know all ye followers and you know we we are gonna hunker down and read mary shelley's frankenstein like popcorn read to each other binge watch you know 
Frankenstein, and like all these universal classics, and then brainwash this group into, you know, murdering people and stealing their limbs to piece together a Frankenstein right. monster. That's that pretty. That sounds pretty cool. I watched the hell out of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, well, I'm going to try to do it sort of like Grindhouse, you know, okay. drive-in style where, you know, imagine sort of like that setup, but if it was shot by Al Adamson, you know? <laughs> right. That's well, the idea here. And you've so, got a, you've got a, uh, a premiere coming up for Psychowave. Is that correct? Yep. Psychowave has booked its official premiere October 29th. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's at the historic Howell Theater in Howell, Michigan. And that's actually where we filmed from Masterpiece. So oh, nice. the, um, the theater owner reached out to me and that's beautiful. <laughs> offered us a slot for Psycho Whip. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So fans of True Masterpiece and Roast Masterpiece could actually, you know, visit the sets that day as well, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People are going to be able to watch uh, Psycho Whip in the theater that True Masterpiece Theater was filmed in. Right. Very and cool. what, it is going to be the same theater that Roast Masterpiece will be filmed in. Right. Oh, I hope I hope that does well. I mean, I don't know how Absolutely. how many seats are available because of COVID and everything. It's very it's limited. Small. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was. It's like, I, from my understanding, twenty percent capacity, which like limited the theater to like forty-two seats. Like that's right. it. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. I think we've sold about seven tickets so far, so they are going. You know. Right. Yeah. Well, well is there hey. anything else? Anything else that wants to talk about or plug or? Oh, I think that that, that covered like everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, so, where can we find you at? Uh, if people listening haven't haven't heard your stuff before or seen your stuff before. Um, I feel like most of the people listening probably haven't heard our stuff before. Yeah. They've heard your stuff before. You're more. Let's, you're let's you're gonna give us a boost rather than the way around. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, where do we where, where do we find your work? Uh, well, it's, it's I mean the 120 free episodes of movies to watch on a rainy afternoon on uh, YouTube. Nice. And, um, I mean, I sell stuff on eBay, you know, you can sure. find me on, you know, Twitter and Facebook and stuff. If you want to send me a message, you know, and some people don't use eBay and right. you know, more, more comfortable just if they want to buy something, you know, right. PayPal and everything. But, uh, you know, a lot of freebies are on YouTube. It's even for masterpiece episode one is, you know, on YouTube. Okay. But, um, yeah, you just, you know, movies to watch on a rainy afternoon or, uh, they just type in youtube.com slash. <laughs> I thought you were going to stop at youtube.com. Uh, slash jab products, J A B products. Like that's the YouTube channel. And all the Psychoape trailers are on there and stuff like that. Um, and then Psychoape should be available on DVD. I don't know, maybe sometime next month, just because we're still finalizing DVD artwork and right. prep discs. So, I mean, that's going to take a little bit. Who, uh, yeah. I, I, I forgot to ask who did the artwork for like the poster and such because that's really really some good stuff yeah um same guy who did all of the um like uh, post-production work on the actual mm-hmm. film his name is jason ewart right and um he's a guy who somehow we became friends on facebook mm-hmm. and uh he started just on his own sending me artwork nice uh based on uh just ideas that i would sort of post on facebook and he would uh just create like a poster based right. on like a pitch <laughs> nice. and just some i didn't even ask him to do it and so i quickly realized well this guy's a keeper so let's Ooh. let's use you know if this guy wants to participate in projects right. um i want i you know i, I want him on board 
So from the conception of Psychoape, um, he was there. Like he's he's right. part of the Psychoape team. You know, he designed all you know any artwork that you see for Psychoape is him. Um, all like the blood and smoke and fire and any any sort of like like CGI or cartoony like effects that you right. see in Psychoape, it's all him. Nice. Oh. And it really added a lot to the production. I mean, you know, especially like the final poster really fits, you know, the look of the film very well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and I, was, I wanted to make sure I asked about that because it, it was it 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 moved your production up a notch or two. You know, it, it, oh, as yeah. far as looks, you know, it looks a lot better than you know a lot of the yeah, stuff yeah. out there. It's because he is his day job is actually like doing stuff like that, right? And oh, nice. um, so for him to you know make the time for us to because uh, he knew firsthand that we were shooting this on mini db and he knew that it was going to be just like this you know shot on shot on video right exploitation film that cost nothing right. and uh but he he was willing to sacrifice his free time and like you know you know add this extra layer of right. uh, production quality to our film awesome that's awesome and I, I believe he did a lot, the majority of the like the green screen stuff too. It was a it was a team effort between him and Greg. Oh, that's great. Final thoughts, anyone? Uh, anybody got final thoughts? Other uh, than no, you know, go uh, see this, yeah, go watch this. Movie. Go watch Psycho Ape. Uh, thank you very much, Addison, for being on the show. Um, we're very very thank glad you. to have you. Yeah. Thank you guys. And if you need uh, if you need uh, two guys to write some uh, riffs for you, uh, shoot us a line. <laughs> yeah, we'd, sure, be happy to, we'd be happy to uh, we'd be happy to yeah, we'll do, help you out any way we can man. yeah absolutely Thank you. Right, so that about wraps us for this episode uh, yeah Nathaniel you want to take us out sure sure uh, uh, once again uh, we are at the devil's ball we are on twitter at at devils underscore at uh, I am at film hurts uh, Sammy is at Sam A-L on twitter S-A-M-M-A-E-A-L and Addison, you're on Twitter as well, correct? Yep. Yep. Just, Do you want to share your at? Just, you know, Addison underscore Binnick. You know, oh, right? Addison Binnick. Very, okay. Very, very simple. Yep. Uh, well, okay then. Uh, that about wraps us up. So um, we once again remind you to uh, keep it positive, keep it constructive. Uh, love yourself, love your fellow horror fans, and uh, be nice to yourselves. And uh, thank you very much. Good night. And namaste.